0: All right, let's open up to Proverbs chapter 17, please. Proverbs chapter 17, and tonight we're continuing on with the series that we've been doing for about four weeks now, I believe, the basics of biblical body care. Can I just catch you up real quick as you find Proverbs 17? We spoke first about what the Bible has to say about your diet and the food that you eat And I love how simple the message of the Bible is on those things, right? We talked about how the main thing for the diet is just moderation, not overdoing it. Um, There's all kinds of different diets that people need to employ. I'll let you search and figure out what fits you best in your lifestyle and so forth. The Bible does have a few things to say about certain foods that are healthy and good for you. But the main thing was moderation. Now, I'll tell you, I, as I've taught these things, I've tried to put it into practice. Man, I have felt better. Wow, not overeating. Tremendous. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> Who would have thunk it? Great idea. Um, I don't know if, if any of you are familiar with the name Tim Tebow. Uh, he's a rather, rather famous guy in America. He's a, uh, he was an American. Uh, well, he is an American. He's a football player, pr- professional football player. <laughs> And uh, he played in the NFL for a while. He's playing professional baseball now. But he was with us about uh, a few weeks ago, three or four weeks ago. And him and I were chatting after the service. And he, he made an interesting comment about the whole health thing. He said, I, I never want to feel hungry and I never want to feel full. I want to stay right in between. And I thought that's an excellent way to... to, to summarize what I was trying to say in that lesson, just to be very moderate about it. We talked about exercise and how you need to be consistent and faithful and disciplined. A very simple idea. You don't have to go to the gym, you know, and get a membership and buff up and become Mr. Olympia. You don't have to be a decathlete. You don't have to do all... You just need to be disciplined about it and stick with it. We talked about stress and how to handle that. I must admit, that lesson has helped me tremendously. We talked about... Considering your options, making a plan, and then relaxing. And doing what you need to do and let God handling it from there on out. Taking life one day at a time. That's the advice Jesus gave. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Amazing how simple it is as you say it, but when you employ it, what a a massive difference it makes. Last week we talked about fasting and prayer. Tried it this week. Wow. We got to do more of that. I looked at it this morning uh, before I came to church I, just to make sure I'm on biblical grounds as I ask this. Can, can, I, can I ask you to join me in, in fasting this coming Tuesday? Can I ask that? The reason I put that out there, in the Bible you find various men that called for a fast. You can read it in the scripture. It says they s- sanctify a fast unto yourselves. You'll find that phrase a few times. So I'm asking that you don't have to, there's no pressure in this, but especially with the debate later this week, I sure would like to see the Lord move. So I'm not advertising that in any way to uh, be seen of men. I hope you know my heart in that, but if you would wish to fast and pray on that day along with us, we'd appreciate it. Uh, In Proverbs chapter 17, you'll see the topic tonight. Proverbs 17 and verse 22 Proverbs 17, 22. the Bible says, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Now, anytime you see the bones talked about, I, I kind of teased you with it last week. We are going to get around to how the bone, uh, the bone marrow and how it affects your health and all of that. But many times when the Bible is speaking about your physical health, it'll mention something about the bones going bad. And you see it again in this verse. Now, we're going to concentrate in the first part of the verse. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You've probably heard somebody say laughter is the best medicine. Uh, They're taking that thought from this verse. And and it's a perfectly fine statement to make. But I believe the verse goes beyond just laughter. So tonight, we're going to speak about the merry heart, which I believe... Is that Jesus calling? Armand? They're calling for you, aren't they? Last night at prayer meeting the phone kept going off and he said this is how all the horror movies start. (laughs) So I saw his face light up real big when the phone started to ring. It's okay Armand, we're praying for you. He's all right. So tonight we're going to talk about a merry heart and all that's involved in that. I'm going to try to cover three things tonight as best I can by the grace of God. Laughing, shouting, and singing. Those three things. I believe that month they're still calling for you, man. We're going to talk about those three things. So would you join me, please? Let's bow our heads and pray for a moment, and then we'll dig right into this tonight. Father, please help us tonight. Lord, as always, we turn to your book to get guidance on every part of our life. Even when it comes down to our physical health, please teach us tonight something that we need that can improve the quality of this life you've given us. Father, please, I, I believe that this This temporary life you've given us to enjoy, but to enjoy it in a biblical and a godly way. Please teach us tonight. Lead us into all truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's come to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. So let me give you an example of what a merry heart might look like. Luke 15, verse 24. Luke 15 and verse number 24. This is the story of the prodigal son, the Philurcyon. And he's come home and everybody is rejoicing there at the house. They've brought the fatted calf. They're going to have a bribe so you know everything's good. Amen. And then in verse 24 he says, the father speaking, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now watch the last part. And they began to be merry. Do you see that? They were rejoicing. There were smiles all around at, it, at what had just happened there. And now they are having what we would say is a party, so to speak, to celebrate what's, what had just happened. Verse 25, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. So do you see if they begin to be merry, there's music, there's dancing, I'm going to assume there was some singing going along with that. When I say shouting, please understand what I mean by shouting, not like arguing with each other. That's not healthy. Amen. You know that, right? Okay. This some something you're not so sure. Not that kind of shouting. Shouting as in cheering, like you do for your favorite rugby team. Do people cheer in cricket? Is that a thing? <laughs> Can you cheer in cricket? I th- isn't there like a rule against noise in cricket? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I'm asking. I, when, when somebody hits a six, is that what they do? Zinle said they just do this. <laughs> that's, what I, that's how I picture it happening. Right? Yeah. But that, that's in the Bible when you see the word shout. Now, it can be an angry type of a thing. It does get used like that. But, but many times it's used as in, a, in a, to ex, a way to express joy. And uh, comes across as a cheer. Now, it says they began to be merry. There's music and dancing. Can you see there's a group of people getting together, enjoying each other's company, having a good time of fellowship. There's laughing, there's singing, there's dancing, there's cheering. They're so glad the prodigal son has come home. We talked last week, or was it the week before, a little bit about how a good relationship, that no, was last week, how good relationships are very, very important for your physical health. No, this is part of it. Taking time with people that you love, people that you enjoy, people that you can relax around, smile around, laugh with—that's incredibly important. Now, this older brother, he came and he heard the music and dancing, verse twenty-six, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, "Thy brother is come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf because he hath received him safe and sound," verse twenty-eight, and. And he was angry. So the older brother, he had the opposite reaction. He's upset about it. Now I wonder which side you're on tonight. Are you in the father's house rejoicing, being merry, enjoying the things that God has given you to enjoy? Or are you finding a reason to be grumpy? Are you finding a reason to constantly be in a state of stress and anger and frustration? Some people work very hard to stay upset. Amen. Wow, I got a great reaction from that. That was amazing. Okay, we all know people like that, right? Okay. Verse, verse 32, look, look at what uh, the father said to that son. It was meat that we should make merry and be glad. Now, the father speaking to the older brother is the equivalent of God speaking to somebody who takes himself too seriously. That's what the older brother represented, a Pharisee or a Sadducee that took himself too seriously, was full of himself, and the father is saying to that man, listen, it is proper, it's fitting, it is meat that we should make merry and be glad. You're going to see tonight, I hope, in the Bible where God tells us to sing, to shout, to, to laugh, to smile. Now, there are many benefits we're not going to talk about tonight to that. There's social benefits, right? People like to be around you a whole lot more when you're smiling. Amen. Amen. That's true, believe it or not. You will attract a few extra people to come around. Uh, and it's, it's fit. It's, it's fitting. It's meat for a, a Christian to have that in his life, to seek out a chance to smile. So let's come to uh, Psalm chapter 5, if you would. I want to give you a list of verses just quickly. Psalm chapter 5, now you know how it goes, the one time you want to talk about laughter is the one time you can't think of anything funny to say, right, and the whole thing bombs, so if you guys would just laugh out of kindness tonight, right, just be generous, <laughs> it's the one time you're trying to be funny that you can't be, but, uh, Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11, I'm going to give you a few verses to start with here about singing and shouting or cheering, Psalm 5 verse 11 it says but let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee can I ask you folks tonight have you ever obeyed that that verse have you put your trust in him have you seen God come through for you have you ever shouted for joy It says, shout for joy. That's what it says. That's what it says. Uh, Look at Psalm 47. Psalm 47. Psalm 47. Psalm 47 in verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. You believe the Bible, yes? You ever done that? You ever just went, man, praise God. Man, it's good to be saved. Thank thank you, God. That's wonderful. You ever clap for him? I know some of you are looking at me like, oh my goodness, that's so that's so weird. He done went happy clappy. He's a happy clappy. <laughs> oh clap your hands. There, there it stands. All right. Chapter 126. Chapter 126. Don't worry, if you thought that was awkward, just give me a few minutes. It'll get even more awkward. <laughs> We're just getting warmed up, amen. Psalm 126. I, listen, I haven't even included the verses about dancing in this lesson because I could really make you uncomfortable with that, right? Yeah. <laughs> psalm 126, verse number 2. Now, this, this is an amazing psalm in and of itself. We don't have time to get into the prophetical aspect of this. but Verse 2 sen, uh, says, Then was our mouth filled with laughter, And our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. Do you see how laughter and singing and joy, how it all mixes together? There's a merry heart, and it does good like a medicine. Yes, it helps you spiritually, but it also helps you physically, even. Uh, Come a little farther to the right. Let's get to Isaiah chapter 12. Isaiah chapter 12. Now, I've I've heard several South Africans shout, but not not in, in this like shout for joy way. Well, no, no, I have heard that at Blue Bull games, <laughs> I have. And Stormer, I've heard shouting here, but most of the shouting. I just wanted to ask this while we're on this topic: somebody gets hurt. Now that's a legitimate time to shout. If you're in lecker pain, feel free to shout if it's real. But I hear you guys say a na a na a na. You shout that. What does that mean? Is that like is it one word, ena? na? Ah. Oh, is it? No, It's two words. ena. na." Right? Eh, It's like, "Yes, no, right? Eh, na. Because you guys say that, "Y- ya, nea, yaw nea." I thought it was like I thought you guys I thought you guys had taken that from another language eighth, Well, now I've learned something. That's actually one word, and it means ouch. Incredible. I never knew that. Okay. <laughs> what do you know? You learn all kinds of things in church, don't you? Isaiah 12, verse 5. I'm glad we got that out of the way. Verse 5. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Amen, it is. Is it known in your house? You ever gotten so excited about what God's doing in your life and in your family and in your home that you just bust out into song because you couldn't hold it in any longer? You ever just gotten so excited about having Jesus living inside of you that you couldn't hold it back and it just came out of praise the Lord? You ever, ever come out like that? You just couldn't hold it in? You gotta be real careful, guys. You, if, you, if you have a, a, a fire that's burning in A a pot, I've done this, I accidentally almost burned a house down a few months ago. I I was heating some oil to fry something and and accidentally turned the stove all the way up and put a lid on it. Very bad idea. As soon as I took the lid off and oxygen came in, that thing exploded. Fire just, it, it was bad. I got scared, of course, and dropped the lid. Now, what you're supposed to do is put the lid on it and it would extinguish the fire. You take the air away, right? And and I think what happens a lot of times, we get excited, we feel this joy bubbling up, and then, oh dear God, let me not embarrass myself by showing anyone that I'm happy. So we put the lid on it, no shout, no singing, no laughter, no joy. We just bottle it up. That's dangerous, you might explode. (laughs) You could burn your house down. Take the lid off, right? Take the lid off. Let a little oxygen get in there. Let a little Holy Spirit get in there. Now, I'm, listen, I'm not suggesting that you uh, just go crazy with this and uncontrollable laughter rolling around on the floor. I, not that. We are not happy clappy. We don't do that. But, but I am all for rejoicing even on the outside. And I hope by the end of the night you'll see that there's some benefits to that, especially for your health. Sing unto the Lord, verse 5. Look at verse 6. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Now Isaiah is speaking to the nation. Specifically, this is a prophecy for when Jesus comes back and he's in the midst of the nation and they're supposed to cry out, shout, sing, and so forth. But on a spiritual level, Jesus does live in the midst of us, yes? In the midst of you as an individual, He inhabits you. You are at the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I think verse 6, we can find some application individually. Cry out and shout. There, I'm not saying all day long every day, but there should be a time where you express that. Now I've, I, I remember the first The first time Brother Peacock, David Peacock, some of you have heard his preaching, we have the CDs of him, he came to preach a revival in uh, Rudaport. Me and Brother Dobbins, whenever we are together, me and Dobbins have way too much fun together, way too much. We've even gotten in trouble for having too much fun. Him and I were at the service that night and Brother Peacock's preaching and it's just a, well, a stiff kind of a church. And Brother Peacock, if you know anything about him, he's anything but stiff. My goodness, that man is everywhere moving up and down, and he's loud, and he's boisterous, and he's, he's waiting for some amens. And everybody in church, I mean, he's preaching along and sweating and spitting, and he's getting into it, and nobody's saying anything. Everybody's just sitting there. You know, they blinked, so they were alive, but that was it. And me and Dobbins, now Dobbins isn't a very loud amen kind of a guy. He doesn't shout a whole lot or anything. I, I, it depends on me. I, it kind of depends on what you're preaching about. But him and I, we looked at each other a few times. We wanted to say amen, but we stifled it. We muffled it because we didn't want to scare all the South Africans around us. <laughs> we, might, we might just uh, flip them out. So after the service, Brother Peacock cornered us and he said, hey, flick, Dobbins, come here yes, sir. Now he, he was a former police captain in Jacksonville, Florida. Big guy, used to be a bodybuilder. So when he says, come here, you come. <laughs> he says, come here. Yes, sir. He says, why didn't you guys say amen tonight? I said, brother, that's just not how we do it here. <laughs> I said, this is, <clears throat> this is South Africa. We, we don't amen here. He said, we got to get that started here. It, it's got to start with you guys. And he was honestly angry at us, and, and the next night he expected some amens out of us, I, I tell you what, it's very difficult when somebody puts you on the spot and says, now, there's going to be a couple hundred people here, we want you and you to do the amens, isn't that awkward? I didn't enjoy the next night at all, that sermon was horrible, because I sat there the whole time going, eh. eh. It just it didn't feel right. It was forced. I was listening to uh, this, this lady today. She was giving one of those TED Talks about the values of laughter and so forth. She's 77 years old. She counsels people that, how to deal with the stress of life and so forth. It was an outstanding talk. The funniest 77-year-old I've ever listened to in my life. And she recommended this. She said, whenever you go to work, just walk into the office and say, all right. Now, she's a Yankee, all right. 77-year-old Sicilian Yankee from America. So she She said, all right, I'm here, I'm here. All right, everybody stand up and give me a standing ovation. (laughs) I'm 77, I'm not dead, I want a standing ovation. (laughs) She said, that's a great way to start the day at the office. Demand a standing ovation. Now... If you just asked one person to stand and cheer for you, that would be awkward. But if you have everybody stand and cheer at the same time, it's not so bad. (laughs) So let's all stand. (laughs) Let's all stand. No, I want a standing ovation. Come on, let's all stand. Stand up. Stand up. This is how I (laughs) say Yay! Hey, Pastor. No, no, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Yay, Pastor Mike's the best. Faster, Mike, say yay! <laughs> yes, faster, Mike! Yes, yay! No, 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 I'm really good. Go ahead yay! Yeah. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yes! Okay, you can sit up. <laughs> every single one of you are smiling right now. Wasn't that fun? We're not going to do that every Sunday. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. We'll start the service with a standing ovation. it <laughs> would just be awkward. Now, I don't know about you. It was a little bit exhilarating, but a little bit different. Got you out of your comfort zone. Probably got your blood pumping a little bit. Right? How many of you found this to be true? If you're sitting near two or three or four people, it was easier to do that than if you're sitting by yourself. Right? It's amazing when everybody... Gets cheerful, how much easier it is for other people to join in, coming from the outside. It's amazing how a smile can be contagious, how a cheer. Thank God, this is wonderful. Praise the Lord! Isn't it strange how that's only limited to rugby? What, why, why, you, people go to rugby matches so that they can cheer for their team. We know all sorts of ums that sit in front of a TV all by themselves and cheer themselves hoarse. Right? I mean, they just go nuts for that stuff. And after the game's over, they're exhausted. They're, it's a, there's a physical aspect. I'm serious. They're, they're more tired than the rugby players. They've been running back and forth to the TV. Why aren't you doing that? There's something about cheering that is, that is natural, it's, it's an expression of what's with inside, it's good to let a little steam off. It, it comes along with this outward expression, this singing and cheering. I, I, you've heard it a few times when the singing really gets good in here, and it gets good often in here, right? Which by the way, this is one of the reasons that we use the hymns the way we do. It's not that I like older music, I like new music as well. The reason I like having the congregation sing is so that we're all together lifting our voices, making a loud and joyful noise at the same time. And if we're all doing it together, instead of being entertained by a band doing the singing for us, we do the singing. Spiritually, there's all kinds of great things with that, but physically, it helps. I'll give you a few things about that just now. But how many of you have ever listened to this man preach? Jasper Williams. You've heard of me Maybe mention him. Have you looked him up online? I know you know Jasper. Yeah, Toomey. One day we're going to have Toomey preach for us. He, he's, he's the young Jasper Williams. But Brother Jasper, man, when that brother gets it into the high hum, ooh, son, he can get some preaching done. And he's got a... Con- Jasper Williams is a, he's a, a black American preacher. And man, he's got a congregation, about five 600 people, I think. <clears throat> and when he preaches... The whole congregation is right there with him answering everything. So when he says, he gets up to preach and says, Today, I want to talk to you about the Lord Jesus. And the whole church says, well, amen. Tell it like it is. That's right. Preach it, brother. Take your time and tell it like it is. I mean, the whole... And every other line, there's somebody, he's got, it has to be a deacon because you can hear the guy very clearly on the tape. One of Jasper Williams' most famous sermons is, I fell in love with a prostitute. It's an outstanding sermon. Don't judge the book by the cover. (laughs) Listen to the sermon. It's about the book of Hosea, outstanding sermon. And in that sermon, you can hear this deacon answering along and Brother Williams will say something and then that deacon will say, take your time. And then he'd say something else mm-hmm and then he'd say something else tell it like it is preacher and then brother Williams he said and then you go out and you take that woman and you commit adultery and that guy said mm-hmm that's right <laughs> thought, no that's not right <laughs> that's very wrong <laughs> don't do that I'm all for expressing yourself, but think before you speak. Amen. <laughs> think before you speak. Um, tonight we we sang uh, to begin with page four or number four five three, and in this song, you might have caught it in the third verse: feasting on the riches of His grace, resting neath His sheltering wing, always looking on His smiling face, and that is why I shout and. Sing, Jesus. And that's, it's built into these hymns. It's a biblical practice. And let me give you a few health benefits that you're going to get from it. Man, I got all sorts of material up here. All right, here we go. I got like 12 pages of this stuff on singing. It strengthens your immune system. Did you know that? I had no idea. Scientifically proven. Strengthens your immune system. It's a good workout. Amen. Didn't think of that. I, I, I'm not really good with explaining all the science, but I heard somebody explain recently how you actually lose weight. And, and it's when you burn fat, what happens when you burn something? Well, smoke, hot air comes out. It, it's actually in how much you're breathing out. You, you use the energy and then the hot air coming out is actually the fat leaving the body because you have burned the fat and out comes that. So the singing actually gets the job done better than most things. So the next time you go to the gym, sing while you jog. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus, Jesus! It improves your posture because you're supposed to stand up straight. It helps with sleep. Don't sing while you sleep, right? But it, it actually it helps those that snore. It it helps the airway and relaxes things and so forth, so they sleep better because they don't snore as much. So some of you ladies, I know you're going to go home tonight and tell your husband, sing it up, honey, before bed, right? (laughs) Sing it up. (laughs) I want to sleep through the night. Singing is a natural antidepressant. Releases endorphins and so forth. It lowers stress levels. It improves mental alertness. (laughs) I like this part. The social benefits of singing. You got to hear this. Singing can widen your circle of friends. Well, now that depends on how good you (laughs) sing, right? I mean, that's... That's very subjective. I've heard a few people sing. <laughs> like like one, one pastor, he turned to his member, he said, do you, do you know that song? Uh, he asked, he said, come forward and, and sing On a Hill Far Away. There's a song called On a Hill Far Away. So he says, brother, I want you to go sing On a Hill Far Away. Because he couldn't sing. He said, you go sing On the Hill Far Away. <laughs> And then the next one, singing boosts your confidence. Well, again, (laughs) that kind of depends on how good you are at singing. It might crush you for life, right? It can broaden your communication skills, yeah, if you say so. Um, Yeah, then it goes on to talk about you can appreciate other singers, but that's more for the professional folks doing that. And then I had another study that says it helps your memory, I'm not so sure how that would be the case. But again, I'm just telling you what the scientists have figured out. Singing can help you in all those ways. Now, I want to show you a few verses on laughter before we're done. Come to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Now, you folks know there's a lot more in the Bible about singing. I just showed you a few verses tonight, singing and shouting. There's cheering, that is. I believe there's some benefit to that. Ecclesiastes, let's get chapter... What do I want to start with here? i got all my papers mixed up. Chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. There we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And the Bible says in verse number 2, Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 2, It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all men, and the living will lay it to his heart. Better to go to the funeral house than to a party house. That's kind of the opposite of what you might expect from this point from me. But verse 3, sorrow is better than laughter. For by the sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Now, this doesn't say don't ever laugh. But when life gives you something to be sorry about, then... By all means, take that seriously, learn from it, let it improve you, and then when life give you, gives you a chance to rejoice, you can go back to that. Verse 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Mirth is another way of saying gladness or smiling, laughing, all of that. Okay. Verse 5, it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This also is vanity. Now, what Solomon is pointing out is if you find a guy that never takes anything seriously, you would classify him as a fool. All he does is try to laugh and make a joke about everything. That is not a healthy way to go about it. Some things you must take seriously, right? Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. There's a balance to that. I want you guys to see that. I'm not trying to teach you tonight that every moment of your life is one big happy moment and smiles and laughs. It's not always going to be like that. But look at chapter 3. Chapter 3. Ecclesiastes 3. And verse number 1. Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, you can see again Solomon's attempt to give us balance. There's a time for all of these things. I have been reading in quite a few books that the experts, they say you should make time for laughter every day. One particular expert said you should it, it, three, at least three times a day set aside 15 minutes to do nothing but laugh. Go watch a funny video, talk to a funny friend, do something to get yourself laughing. Let, let me show you the book where I got that from. This very manly book. <laughs> I was sitting in a restaurant reading this and man, I got a lot of weird stares. People are like, what in the world? It's a good book. <laughs> I'm learning how to de-stress. But this, this lady... <laughs> very calming. Don't judge me. <laughs> I, I'm very secure in my masculinity. I don't. <laughs> social rest can be making a special one-to-one connection with someone you care about, visiting a neighbor or coworker you would like to get to know better, making quick healthy social connections, uh, and going for a walk or a chat with a friend in a park. She says laughter is a crucial component whether it's a phone call with someone who can see the funny side of life, stand-up comedy, movies, and then she suggests other kinds of jokes. If you do nothing else to de-stress, find something or someone that makes you laugh really hard and feel good about yourself. Now, now, this lady, there's nothing about her that indicates she's a believer or a Christian or anything. I'm just showing you that, that even the scientific side of this, laughter is good for you. And there is a time for it. Not all day necessarily, but there should be a time for it. Um, you're allowed to laugh in church. Now, we've kind of proven that tonight, right? But you're, you're, we shouldn't laugh all the time, should we? Right, I mean, there's, last, last Sunday night, there wasn't much laughing. We were talking about fasting and prayer, and man, God just moved through that, and that's wonderful. Not every service is going to be like that. Some services, we are going to enjoy it a little more and laugh. Sometimes you just can't help it. Sometimes... Funny things just happened during the service. Some of the funniest things I've ever seen happen have happened in church. Things that I'll never forget. Can I share one with you? Hold your place in Ecclesiastes because we'll come back to that to finish the lesson tonight. Can I show you Acts chapter 20? And guys, I, have you ever heard, had someone tell you, hey, listen to this joke, this is the funniest joke ever. And then when they tell you the joke, they've oversold it, right? They've oversold it and it's not that funny. And then they say, well, you just had to be there. I, I hope this is not one of those moments, right? This was very funny to me. I, I don't know if you'll also find it amusing, but there was a man in, in America, a pastor, I think it was Brother Modlish, if I'm not mistaken, but whoever it was. He has a church of about 1,500 people, big church in New York, good preacher. He said, uh, folks, take your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 20 and verse seven. And he was only trying to read his text so that he could get into the sermon. That's all he was trying to do. He had a very serious sermon planned out. I had been saved about two months when I got a hold of this tape and I heard this. Brother Freddie, the man who led me to Christ, he said, Brother Fleck, you got to hear this. And he handed it to me and walked off laughing. And I said, okay, I don't know what this is about. So I put the, t- this is back. Do you guys remember cassette tapes? You younger folks have no idea, right? <laughs> this is the, the grandpa to the CD, but anyway. Uh, so we put, I put the cassette tape in. I probably laughed for, I don't know, four hours. <laughs> I mean, I kept thinking about it, you know, and I, every time I'd think about it, I'd laugh. In verse 7, it says, upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, Now, right about there, he was okay, but then he wasn't paying attention. And instead of reading the verse as it stands, he read it like this. Upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break wind, Paul preached, <laughs> oh my goodness, (laughs) 1,500 people lost it, they just lost it, (laughs) I kid you not, I was sitting on a chair when I heard it, I fell out of the chair, I said, oh my goodness, he just said that in front of everybody. They all—they just died laughing because he tried to catch it. He said, to break wind, I mean bread, and it was too late. It was too late. It was too late. Damage hadn't been done. And the thought of everybody coming together just to do that. Oh. Oh. I, I, I shouldn't have told this story. Oh i feel better just saying that out loud that's just hilarious oh man so i for the next 15 minutes he said okay 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 let's calm down let's calm down all right starting again verse seven when the disciples came together and he would just bust out laughing again (laughs) for 15 minutes he could not even read the verse it was so funny Finally, he said, we're skipping the verse, and he just preached the sermon. (laughs) One of the funniest things I'd ever heard. It was outstanding, outstanding, precious memories. Now, see, whenever I'm having a rough day, or sick, or worried about something else, just thinking about that takes my stress level down about seven or eight notches. It it doesn't fix the problem, it doesn't make, if if I have the flu or some other sickness, it doesn't make the sickness go away, but it does help me to handle it a little better. Now I know that from practical personal experience, science also tells you that. I had a time in Malawi, Brother Dobbins, I invited him to come preach for us, a special meeting. I was going to teach Sunday school, and then he was going to preach the main service, so I'm standing in front of the church teaching and as I'm teaching, of course, Malawi it's very hot. There's there's uh, you know open windows everywhere and a lot of flies buzzing around everywhere. And as I'm teaching along, my mouth as one does is opening, closing, opening, closing and a fly, big horse fly. You guys know a horse fly? You know there's the house fly and then there's a horse fly. A horse fly. How as I was saying a word, the fly went into my mouth, and I had closed my mouth, and because it surprised me, I didn't know what to do. I froze. And it took me a couple seconds to realize, there's a fly in my mouth. This is not good. Not good. And then, phew, I spit it out. And all what I'm thinking is, oh, Beelzebub. Lord of the flies. You know, that's all I'm thinking. And Brother Dobbins, he's so quick, he's so sharp. He said, I was a stranger and you took me in. (laughs) Stop it! (laughs) Stop (laughs) it! Oh, man. (laughs) Now, one of the best ways to learn how to laugh. Now, some people actually have to learn how to laugh. Some people, they struggle a little bit more to laugh than others, right? We all know people like that. It's just a little tougher for them. Uh, the best place to start, if you're struggling, maybe you're just in a bad mood, maybe you're not, uh, it's not difficult for you to laugh, but just that day, you're having a bad day. The best place to start, learn how to laugh at yourself. You are the funniest person you know. You are. You are, if we, we, wow, now we get the amens. (laughs) Amen, shout, I want a standing ovation for me. (laughs) But Dr. Ruckman used to tell us, he said, if you don't learn to laugh at yourself, you leave the job to somebody else. That's a lot of truth right in that statement. Learn to laugh at yourself. Whenever you're dealing with a very difficult situation, it's very helpful. Now, I'm not saying that laughing at a tough situation fixes it. Okay, I'm not saying that. But it will help you deal with it and it will lend perspective. Many times when we get under a very stressful situation, we are only looking at it as the burden pressing down on us and we only see it through this angle. It's coming down, this boot is about to squash me and I'm panicked. Rather, when you look at it, try to find some humor in it, you have to look at it from a different angle if you looked at it from here it's scary you step to the side and you almost see yourself in the third person and and looking for the humor in it may not fix it lends perspective and it helps with the stress come back to ecclesiastes let me show you something here about that come to ecclesiastes chapter 8 That same lady I told you about earlier that required everyone to give her a standing ovation as she walked in the room and so forth, she had an outstanding statement. She said, she was talking, she's 77, she's lived a lot of life, and she said, folks, we take ourselves way too seriously. There's no need, there's no need to panic about our little lives as much as we do. Now, as a Christian, how do we balance that? Because aren't we supposed to take our Christian life very seriously? yes. To the point of stressing about it, so that it detracts the quality of our life? No. No. We're not supposed to to get so intense that we don't know how to make merry and be glad. That is meat for us. Right? What if doing life right means not taking it as seriously as you have been? Say, but I want to do it right. I want everything to be just what Jesus wants it to be. And you stress out and panic and you're missing out on the joys and the smiles and the, and the time to laugh. Ecclesiastes 3, time to laugh. You've missed those times. I don't know about you, one of the best laughs you'll ever hear is a little child, right? When you hear a little kid laugh, especially when that little kid can't stop laughing... And just, <laughs> and just laugh and laugh and laugh and it goes on. There's, you can just watch that for hours. You can't. Uh, uh, okay, now I'm, I'm sharing. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm oversharing. I've gone on YouTube before and just watch kids laughing compilations, right? <laughs> is there just something awesome about a baby or a little kid laughing? Giggling. That is just outstanding to watch a kid get a good case of the giggles. Now, some of you old, stuck-in-the-mud folks, you need to go back to your childhood just for a minute and remember how to be happy and learn how to just have a good, old-fashioned, deep-down belly laugh. Amen. Belly laugh. Some of you, everything gets all stuck there in the belly, and you get all grumpy, and nothing's moving. You need to get a good belly laugh, get everything moving again. Amen. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. Nature's laxative. You know what I mean. Hey, I, I got science for it. I, I wouldn't say it if I didn't have science for it. Scientific, amen, scientific. Ecclesiastes 8, let's get back to this. Verse 14, verse 14. You know what, I, shame, I got busy talking about something else. That I wanted to give you the quote that uh, that lady said. She said it like this. If you think the worst and you get the worst, you suffer twice. But if you think the best and get the worst, you only suffered once. I like that. That kind of makes sense. That kind of sounds like, 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 a, like it's a biblical thought. Good idea. Ecclesiastes 8, verse 14. He says, There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. What's he saying? Good people have bad things happen to them. Bad people have good things happen to them. He said, man, this is all mixed up. Verse 14, at the end, I said that this also is vanity. This makes life confusing, useless, frustrating. So what do you do about it? When life doesn't make sense and you can't wrap your head around it, there's no good answer for why this is happening. Verse 15, then I commended mirth. Solomon said the best way to fix that situation rather than getting stressed out, letting it affect your physical health, mental health, emotional health, spiritual health, find a way to laugh about it. Find a way to laugh about it. Then I commended mirth because a man hath no better thing under the sun. Now he's not trying to say that uh, fellowship with God isn't as good or so forth. He's talking about things under the sun, on this earth. Because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink, to be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life which God giveth him under the sun. So as far as things that God has allowed you to have in this temporary life, when you get a curveball from life and frustrated, whether it's a physical sickness or divorce, debt, depression, whatever it is, find a way to smile. Find, bring something else into your life that can make you laugh. Now, guys, I know there's a verse in the Bible that says we're not supposed to sing songs to those that have a heavy heart. If someone's going through a difficult time, they may not need laughter at that moment. If they're weeping, you need to weep with them that weep. But then when the weeping's over, there's a time to laugh and rejoice. So please do use wisdom about that. But Solomon has some good advice. As you watch various things on YouTube, sometimes those little commercials pop up you know before the video starts and they keep showing one for a comedian in Joburg I don't know the guy's name and I only have watched you know five seconds of it <laughs> because after that you skip to the to the video but this guy I, I, I probably listened to 15-20 seconds of him he, he he was talking about the land expropriation without compensation thing that's a, listen that's a boot coming down that a lot of people are worried about but this comedian stepped to a different side and gave a different angle <laughs> He said he said, Yeah, you know so many people they don't even know what it is about. They think you know ah this land exfoliation without comprehension. <laughs> land exfoliation without comprehension. <laughs> if you take time to think about that, there's actually a lot of wisdom in what he's saying there. Because a lot of people do not understand That situation. They've only heard what one radical side says about it. Whichever radical side they're leaning towards, they've only heard that one side of it. They haven't listened to all the facts and they might be overreacting one way or the other. Now, I'm not saying it's a good situation. I'm not saying there's nothing to worry about. All I'm saying is he found a way to step to the side and look at that from a different angle. And for the moment, some of you maybe have been worried about that for the last two, three months, five months, and some of you are actually getting sick. I mean, physically, you're losing sleep, you're not able to eat, you're just panicked about it. And for five seconds, when we said exfoliation without comprehension, for five seconds, you weren't scared of it, you laughed at it. And it actually relieved you just for a moment. It would help you maybe to take a full 15, 20 minutes and just back off of your fear and find a way to laugh at it. I believe it would help. Let me um, give you some various things that laughter can do. Laughter is a powerful antidote to stress, pain, and conflict. Nothing works faster or more dependably to bring your mind and body back into balance than a good laugh. I listened to one doctor say that she actually prescribes it. Some people, all they need to do is get over themselves. Seriously, not take themselves so seriously. And and she prescribes 15 minutes a day of laughter. And it works. Humor lightens your burdens, inspires hope, connects you to others, and keeps you grounded, focused, and alert. It also helps you release anger and forgive sooner. A good hearty laugh relieves physical tension and stress, leaving your muscles relaxed for up to 45 minutes afterwards. Man, that's outstanding. Laughter boosts the immune system. It triggers the release of endorphins and an overall sense of well-being and can even temporar- temporarily relieve pain. Laughter protects the heart. It increases uh, the function of the blood vessels and blood flow and so forth. It burns calories. Amen. So while you're singing on the treadmill, that will most likely lead to laughter, <laughs> and you'll get the best of all of it. I got another 12 pages. I won't bore you, bore you with all the science of it, but man, there's a lot of good stuff to take away from having a good laugh. I don't know what makes you laugh. There, I, I'm going to step back and say, you, you know what uh, pushes your buttons, Right? You know what does it for you. I'm going to close with with one thought, though. I I couldn't find one, but man, I would have done it. I would have done it. Tonight, I would have done it. That lady I've I've been telling you about, she recommended, and she she had one, get a clown nose. That that red, that foam nose, get a clown nose, put it on, and the next time you feel stressed and you want to, you know, complain and let it out, put that on, and then go ahead and talk. If it's really serious, you'll be able to speak even with the nose on. <laughs> but if it's not that important, you probably can't talk through the nose. Now, what, what's the point of that? Why, why is that even a good idea? Well, that might be taking it a bit far to actually, to actually do that. But it would help you to get over yourself, it would help you not to take yourself so seriously. One wise man said it like this: if you lose the power to laugh, you lose the power to think. It'll free your mind, it'll free your heart, calm you down. It can only help. Now, it needs to be done at the right time, with the right people in the right way. But, guys, it's something you want to make a part of your life. Let's all stand, if you would, please. I, I don't need an ovation. By the way, this, we're not going to clap now, okay? We're just going to stand. I would like us to sing, though. So might I ask, Miss Hester, if you please come this way.